Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. Amen. So if you have a Bible, we are in 1 Peter 4. We're going to look at verses 10 to 11. And today I want to talk about serving one another. That's the title of the message, serving one another. It's something that we are called to do. Now, all of us have or have been given gifts that we never use. Maybe right now you're thinking of something somebody gave to you and you're like, the moment you saw it, you knew, like, I'm not going to use that. You know, growing up, I had this one aunt, she would always give me socks and sweaters. And I'm just like, that's, I'm just, I'm not going to use that. But we all get gifts we don't use. Socks, rice cookers, gym equipment, cookbooks. People give us gifts. And the same way people give us gifts, God gives us gifts, but he expects us to use them. God has blessed every single believer with a spiritual gift, and he expects us to use it. Here's the main idea of our message today that I want us to remember. God has given each of us a gift to use for the growth of his people and the glory of his name. You have a gift that God expects you to use it so that believers would grow and that God would get the praise and the glory that he deserves. So we're all gifted. I want you to turn to somebody right now, if somebody's near you, and just say, he's not lying. Lift your voices and say, he's not lying. We are all gifted. Say it, he's not lying. We talk at D North. We do that. Look at verse 10. As each has received a gift, see it? Told you I'm not lying. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Peter doesn't say if you have received. He says as each has. You have it. We have the thing. We have been given a gift to do the gospel work, and we have this gift because of gospel grace. We've been given a gift to do gospel work. We have the gift because of gospel grace. Ephesians says, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, so when Jesus went back to his throne, when he went back to heaven, it says he gave gifts to his people. So Jesus not only blessed us with salvation, gifts that to us, and the unbeliever needs to hear that, that Jesus is the Savior we need, and he gives us salvation when we trust in him, when we believe the gospel. He also blesses us with a supernatural ability. And as Pastor Dennis would say, we are blessed by Jesus to be a blessing. You've been given that gift to bless others. And so right now, I want to do a couple things. I want to give you a list of the gifts. I want to give you clarification about spiritual gifts, and then I want to give you a definition. Lists, clarifications, 
definition. Here's a list of the spiritual gifts that believers get. The gift of prophecy, evangelism, discernment, teaching, and exhortation, miracles, healing, service, and help, leadership and administration, tongues, interpretation of tongues, giving, faith, and mercy. These are the gifts that are in the body of believers to build us up so that we would grow. Now here's a clarification about gifts. And this is, all comes from 1 Corinthians 12. So one person is not given all the gifts. So one individual doesn't have all of the gifts, which highlights, again, why it's so important for us to get involved, to serve one another. One gift is not given to everyone. Specific gifts are not reserved for spiritual elites. So it's not like God's like, you are super holy, you really get busy with the Bible every day, so you're going to get like six of these. You're, a, you're an elite. So here's this specific one. It's not like that. And then this, the Holy Spirit decides who gets what gift. And that one protects us from envy. Again, we've been learning as, in, as, as a community of faith. We don't want to envy one another. We want to celebrate one another. And so the Holy Spirit decides who gets what gift. And here's a definition. Here's my definition of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are specific supernatural abilities given by the Holy Spirit to believers to build up the church in love, unity, maturity, holiness, and fruitfulness. Love, unity, maturity, holiness, and fruitfulness. That, this is what God wants for all of us. And that's why he gifts us, and that's why he says we are to use it, in verse 10, to serve one another. See, we are commanded to use our gifts to serve. We're commanded to do that, to use our gifts to serve one another. The way we use public transit, the way we use our gym membership, the way we... The way we use the pots and pans in our house, the lights in our house. We, we are to use our gift to love our church family. Here's the thing. When you're using your gift, when we're all active, the body actually functions properly. There are some churches where you look at them and it seems like everything is built on the person who stands up there to talk. This is not a church like that. I have a couple gifts. But hear me on this. I need all your gifts. Our church does not function properly if I'm the only one functioning. And if it's all about me, it isn't. We all have a gift, and when we're using it, the, the body functions the way God wants it. 1 Timothy 4 says, do not neglect the gift you have. It's not supposed to be just in a corner collecting dust. 2 Timothy 1 verse 16 says, fan into flame the gift of God. The more we use our gift, the stronger it gets. Fan into flame the gift of God. And the more we use it, the more the people of God grow and the more God gets the praise that he deserves. We're given a gift for others. Tom Schreiner says, gifts were not given so that we would marvel over our abilities or covet the ability of, abilities of others. Nor were they given so that we would experience satisfaction and fulfillment in our lives. Still further, gifts weren't given so that we, were, we could realize our self-potential. The gifts were given so that we would equip and strengthen other believers, and thus the gifts are other-centered, not self-centered. For others, that is the heart of God. 
And that should be our heart. And so you hear all that, you're like, cool, Marv, I get it. You got me. We all have a gift. But what if I don't know what my gift is? So you're telling me I have a gift, but what if I don't know what it is? Well, spiritual gifts are not found out through introspection. It's not even found out by taking a gift survey. Seriously. You find out your spiritual gift by participating actively participating in the life of the local church. Gifts are discovered in service. As we are going along participating, God will affirm our gift by the way we feel internally when we're exercising those gifts and then by the affirmation of the church. The first time I ever spoke was on Psalm 16. It's the worst sermon on earth. And I didn't want to do it. I got pushed into doing it. As as I was driving there, I was hoping the car would break down so I could call and be like, I can't make it. I didn't want to do it. But as I stepped in, then the church affirmed and said, this is where we think God has gifted you. This is where you think you're gifted, but you're not. And so it's discovered as we take steps of faith. And when we're using our gift, the text says that we are being good stewards of God's varied grace. That word varied tells us about the way the Spirit distributes the gift. We've talked about that. The the Spirit spreads it around. And then the word steward is actually important. It's, it's, It's the word manager. A steward was a manager of somebody else's property. Now, the way a tour guide tells you things you should not forget, this text tells us we should never forget that you are a steward, that I am a steward of God's property. The gift God has given me, the gift God has given you is not yours. you, You are a steward. You are not an owner. And we have a responsibility, he says, to steward it well. And we steward the gift well when we are using it. When we are not on the sidelines, but when we are in the game. The new life we have in Christ is to be lived in a community of loving service. I want to say that again. The new life we have in Christ is to be lived in a community of loving service. And when you got to think about this, think about how many people you know right now who are hurting. This is one of the, the like, weirdest times I've, I've ever been in. Every day, there's just something. Every day, and there's somebody else hurting. There's somebody else struggling. How important is it now that we commit to serving one another? to helping one another. God has given us each other so that we can get through times like this together. And he's given us a gift for it. This word steward is very important. I'm going to say that again. And it also helps us to think the right way about the pastors in our church. And I want to remind you, if you don't know who the pastors are in our church, it's not just me. There's a picture of the guys there. There's Pastor Dennis, Pastor Yogi, and there's myself. And I said this in the first sermon in our Philippian series. I grew up in a church where all of the pastors just kind of sat on the stage, sort of legs crossed. 
And I just, I just thought that they were like up here and everybody else was down here. You know, like the pastor says something and they're looking at you like nodding. Mm-hmm, yeah, no, that's, that's a problem in your life. But the, that is not the way Scripture speaks about pastors. Pastors are stewards. Let me show you. First Peter, later on, Peter says this. Shepherd the flock of God. Not Pastor Yogi, Pastor Marv, Pastor Dennis, shepherd your flock. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion. So you should be joyful and willing to do this, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain. Again, there's some pastors you watch and you're like, what is it about? It's, a, it's, it's more about them and what they can get from the sheep. They're fleecing their, the, the flock. Shameful gain. But eagerly, not domineering. So we are not to lay a heavy hand on God's people. Not domineering on those in your charge. But being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, see it there? That's the owner. Jesus. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. There's a reward coming for the pastor who shepherds well. But you know what that also tells us? There's accountability to every pastor. That they're stewards of God's people, not owners. And we are to take it very seriously. God is going to hold us to account of the way that we shepherd and steward your life. And we pray every day that we would do it well. And we ask you, and I'm asking you now to pray for us, that we would always do it well and take it as seriously as the Bible says that it actually is. We are stewards, not owners. So God tells us that we are gifted. And verse 11 tells us why and how we should serve each other. How and why we should serve each other. Verse 11 says, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves in the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. We serve in the strength that God supplies. When we look to to serve one another, we don't do it in our own strength. We do it in the strength that God supplies. It says here, whoever speaks. Now that phrase there covers the range of speaking that happens in the church. Counseling, teaching in the church and the local community. Preaching, evangelism, singing, encouragement. It says whoever speaks are to speak the oracles of God. Now the word oracle here in the, in the Greek is logia. It actually means sayings. And so what Peter is saying here is, when we speak, we are to say what God has said. When we speak to one another, we don't give our own opinions. We don't give the newest social theory on how we figure out the troubles in our world. We say what God has said from his word. That is what we are supposed to say to one another. We speak accurately. That's why the NIV translates this as, they should do as one who speaks the very word of God. We say what God has said. Why? So we can live wisely in a world that's divided. 
so we can live wisely in a world that tells lies. So that we can live wisely in a world that promotes all kinds of false gospels. And all you got to do is read some of the latest books that are coming out on how we should deal with some of the struggles we see going on in our society. False gospels, false messiahs cannot save us. Authors do this, actors do this, athletes do this, activists do this. Seems like everybody's an activist nowadays. Sociologists do this, even preachers do this. False gospels, not true, don't align with the word of God. And we, when we speak the word to one another, do you know what we are doing? We are building each other up in love. We are protecting each other from the lies that are swirling all around. We are in a way more intense battle sometimes than I think we realize. That it's a Genesis 3.15 kind of world. That, that Satan is actually raging and going after Christians, going after us. But we have the opportunity to sit one another down and say, here's what God has said in his word. Let's hold on to it together. We speak what God has said because there's so many lies. We need the oracles of God. Then it says, whoever serves this covers the range of the acts of service that we do for each other. It says we are to do it in the strength that God supplies. Another translation says out of the strength that God supplies. God, again, see the generosity of God in the text. He gives us gifts and he gives us the strength to use those gifts. He gives us a job to do, and then he gives us the strength to get it done. God's work requires God's strength. He will give us, Jermaine, him and I were talking on, about the sermon this, this week, and he, he said this, God will give us the physical, Jermaine and Cheon, God will give us the physical strength, the emotional strength, and the spiritual strength that we need to serve each other. Why? So that the church is built up in love. So that the church functions properly. That is what we are after. But we have to depend on God. This Tuesday, I woke up and I was just beyond discouraged. Part of it was because I stayed up a little bit too late. But I was just discouraged. Felt like I was failing Failing you guys, failing our church, struggling most of the day. And then, because God is kind, because he's good to me and good to you, the Holy Spirit just lovingly rebuked me. In the midst of my feeling discouraged, feeling sorry for myself, the Spirit's like, the reason why you feel like that is because you are trying to do it on your own, Marv. And then I just stopped for a second and just kind of try to look back on what's gone on so far. Very little time in prayer. No asking God for his wisdom and for his help. Just trying to figure it out on my own. How am I going to fix some of the problems that I see? How am I going to do it? Not, not praying. Reading the word, but not really focusing. Halfway there. Not sort of digging in and letting God speak to me. I'm sharing this with you because I want you to know I'm a, I'm a real Christian just like you. I just get up to talk on Saturdays right now. Hopefully it'll be Sunday soon. But I have the same struggles. It's hard to pray. I get sleepy. 
Sometimes I'm in numbers and I have no idea what's going on. This happens because I read like every book I can find. But the Spirit was just like, you are trying to do it on your own. The Holy Spirit said, remember what Jesus said. Abide in me. Why? For apart from me, you can do, you say it, nothing. Nothing. And here was your, one of your shepherds, not your only shepherd, trying to muscle it through. And God's just like, nah, that's not, that's not how we're going to do it. That's not how we do it. The way I'm calling you to live is to depend on me. It's my job. All you got to do, bro, is show up. Be dependent. Trust in me. And that's a word for us. Apart from me, we have to abide in Christ. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When we try to serve in our own strength, it leads to burnout, discouragement, and failure. That's what we have coming to us. Discouragement, burnout, and failure. Jesus says, abide. So we've answered the how. Now let's look at the why. Verse 11 again. It says, whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The way Chick-fil-A aims to give you a good service and a good sandwich the Christian, and it's a good sandwich. Amen. It's my boy over there. The Christian aims to bring glory to God. That is the aim. Our Father, we, we aim to bring glory to our Father who has dominion, the text says, forever and ever. We serve each other for the glory of God. We serve for the glory of God. Now, Peter says this because he knows it's tempting for us to serve for the glory of ourselves. To make it about me. See, God didn't give us a gift so we can build our platform. He gave us a gift. He has blessed us so we can be a blessing. So we can use it to serve those around us, to help each other. And to bring good into our lives as we grow in faith. And to bring praise to our God. To bring praise to our Father. The praise that he deserves. I call this verse a check yourself before you wreck yourself kind of verse. It's a check. It slows you down. It makes you examine your life. Asking yourself, am I doing this actually for God? Again, this week, because I'm studying, working, thinking, and, and how I'm going to speak, I had to ask myself that question. When I get up, it, am I doing it to make everybody think I can just speak really well? Or is my heart to help my brothers and sisters in Christ? It, it forces us to examine our lives, to ask the question, why am I doing it? Is it for the glory of God? Or is it for myself? God gives us this verse to help us to stay humble. To say, it's not about me. To stop us from giving into the flesh. To say, it's about God. That's why I'm doing it. That is why I'm serving those. He has given each of us a gift to use for the growth of his people and the glory of his name. And as we serve each other, 
Psalm 115, verse 1, should be close to our lips. It says, not to us, Lord. Not to us, but to your name be the glory. Because of your love and faithfulness, we are in the spot where we say, it's about you, God. You've given me this gift to bless my brothers and sisters, and I'm about that. But I'm also very much aware that you have given me this gift for your glory. It's about you. The gift belongs to you. I am stewarding it, and I'm returning it to you in the end. It's for your glory. God has given us a spiritual gift to serve each other. But it's not the only gift that God has given us. He's also given us the gift of communion. And communion is a gift because it reminds us of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. When we slow down, we, we, we just remember his willing sacrifice. That his blood was shed in our place. That his body was broken so that ours could be healed and fully redeemed. All because of Jesus. And in communion, Jesus is the host who serves us. And as we take it, he builds us up in love. And we're told in scripture that before we take communion, that we are to examine ourselves. That we are to stop and reflect. And often we're told that, you know, it's just to think about you and how you're doing with God. But in the text that it, that comes up in, it's actually talking about, yes, looking at how you're doing with God, but also looking at how you're doing with others. Others in your local church, others in your life. And so we are to examine ourselves. We should confess any sins to God that we see. But if you know you have something with somebody else, then you shouldn't take communion today. You're still a believer. But you need to go and make that right first. And then the next time we do communion, you participate. So we are going to take a moment to examine ourselves. But I want to say to the person who's not a believer, if you're not in Christ, then we're asking you not to take communion. Not because we're judging you or anything like that. You're just, you're just not in the family just yet. But again, through trusting Christ, believing in the gospel, you can be welcomed in. But if you're not a Christian, then please don't participate. Communion is for baptized believers. And so we're just going to take a moment, and then we are going to take together. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.